Welcome back to Archives for Aliens, the podcast recorded for future life on Earth. Planet Earth. Consciousness. Creativity. The nature of reality. Cool people making things in life outside the box. Today, I'm going to be speaking with the hosts of Greek Gods and Human Myth Takes, Dustin and Neil. Their podcast highlights the funnier side of myths as they tell the tales of the unfortunate humans who draw the attention of the powerful, deathless gods of Olympus. In this episode, we're going to be talking through some of these tales and discussing why Greek mythology is still relevant to our society today. Could be a caterpillar. Caterpillar reminds me of a garden. Oh. I got like a floral sense from it. Got it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you think that relates to myths or mythology? Well, uh, you know, I see like a garden, like floral patterns. Actually, a lot of the flower names we use today come from stories from Greek mythology. Usually someone gets turned into a flower by a lake or something, <laughs> and their name becomes the name of that flower. And that's the names we use today. So <laughs> kind of adds up there. Yeah, it's interesting how many things that are in our society today come from these ancient texts that people totally seem to have forgotten about. Yeah, that's one of the cool things of it. When you go back and look through, you see a lot of words and terms we use today originated from those stories. It's pretty interesting. And before we get too into the myths, uh, I always like to ask my guests a uh, really sweet, simple intro question so everyone can get to know you and you guys can answer it together or individually. But what do you believe about the nature of reality? Complex starting off pretty hard, huh? Yes, deep question. <laughs> you want to take this one first? No, nope, you go. <laughs> um... Well, me, I'm, I'm not necessarily a uh, complicated guy. I take things pretty face value, surface level. So everything to me is what I see is what I get. That's virtually my stance on reality. It's pretty simple outlook. I know not too intricate, but that's just kind of how I go about things, you know, personally. What about you, Neil? Yeah, Dustin is kind of like the straightforward kind of guy. <laughs> I um, am. I'm, I'm meat and potatoes. <laughs> which actually kind of makes the whole podcast go because I'm more of the let's get further into it, the the hidden meanings of myths and the deeper meaning. So I can kind of see like the the arguments that some like the ancient um, philosophers would do where you can make the argument that Aristotle's points make more sense than Plato's. But Dustin, if he hears a myth, um, he thinks that it's just Medusa getting her head cut off, not like a symbol <laughs> of um, overcoming the barbarianism of just different beasts and mythology. Now, I will say I have gotten a little better about accepting some of your theories. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the second episode was a little bit tougher. We almost uh, 
got into it there. No, it was the third. Third. Yeah, third. it was the third one. <laughs> oh, no, I think that's awesome because having you guys have the conversation and seeing both sides or two very different sides of one thing is very cool. So how, how do you guys know each other? Uh, we went to school together. We grew up together, pretty much lived in the same town, small town our whole lives and rode the bus together. And Neil's older brother picked on both of us <laughs> on the bus. So that bonded us even more, yep. you know, played football together. You know, we just pretty much known each other since first grade. Yeah. I had to keep him out of trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. That makes a lot of sense. I was almost wondering if you were like brothers or cousins or something. No, well, about as close to being brothers as you can get without being brothers. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So at what point in your life did you decide to start studying myth? I'd say for me, it was probably around second or third grade because we had that little library part of the that was part of the school and uh, they had a book on. It was like a kid's book for Greek mythology, but I thought it was pretty interesting. And then every year after that, I would kind of graduate to a more uh, a higher level of Greek mythology, like a book wise. And yeah, I just kept falling in love with it more and more, you know, the deeper I got into it. Yeah, mine was my dad would bring me home books and he brought me the Bellerophon book. Um, That one was probably my most favorite one that i pick and ever since then i i just kind of kept it with it of course it was bellerophon it was bellerophon <laughs> yeah of that, course it was it's a theme <laughs> it is a theme neil's always uh talking about bellerophon and how awesome yeah. he is i don't know i don't know who this is so me, that's the beauty of it i don't i don't blame you you're not wrong for not knowing who it is because he's not a major player in Greek mythology. I mean, he's got his own, he's a hero, obviously, but yeah, he's not the upper echelon like a Heracles or a Theseus or Perseus, someone like that, but he does play his little part, but he'll okay. just thinks he's the best. He's awesome because he's the real one who actually rode Pegasus. That is and true. Because of the movie, no one knows that because Disney stole it and Her- um, Hercules gets to ride Pegasus. And then Perseus somehow rides Pegasus. So no one knows about it. But also the beauty is I've hyped him up so much that our fans love him and want to know about him. And I just, I can't bring myself to do the actual episode because he's not that cool. <laughs> and I'm afraid he's that, a lot down. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a huge <laughs> letdown and it's going to be an ordeal when they finally find out about it. It's well, going to be kind of a bummer. Well, that's kind of the running joke for it too, is you hype him up so yeah. much knowing that when we actually do the episode, yeah. it's just, he's just kind of a flash in the pan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally five minutes before the episode, we had a fan ask us who he was. So. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, but yeah, he is the one that actually rode Pegasus, not the other ones. That's his claim to fame. Okay. So I'm not super familiar with a lot of the myths myself. I mean, I think the whole thing is fascinating, uh, but like, I don't even know where to start. So maybe we should start there. Like just how many texts or sources are there? Like some, just to give some uh, idea of what we're working with. There's, there's a lot. Uh, 
I can't even put an exact or even a ballpark figure because there's so many. I'm because you have multiple sources from ancient Greece, and then you have multiple Roman sources because when Rome kind of was you know, the main power in Europe, they took a lot of uh, the Greek myths and kind of tweaked them to their own agenda, I guess you would put it. And yeah, and then it's just trickled down from there. So it's just an innumerable amount of sources. I mean, you've got Homer, Apollodorus, um, Hesiod, Hesiod. <clears throat> those are our main Greek ones. And then the, the rule of thumb that we try to uh, stick with is the, the older the author, the more pure that you're going to get of yeah. the actual Greek mythology. Because when you start getting into the Romans, you get a completely different Athena and Roman mythology than you do with the actual Greek mythology. So in... Greece, Athena was this perfect, um, the example of what it is to be a virtuous, uh, defensive soldier. Whereas the Romans, Minerva is the reason why we see her as the one who turns Arachne into a spider for just losing the battle or, um, the reason why, uh, Medusa gets changed the way that she does. She's the, the cutthroat Athena. So you, the further from Homer that you get, the more inconsistencies that you'll start to see, like for instance, Achilles um, and Homer, he never gets his weakness. Isn't his heel. His weakness is his pride. Yep. But then when you get towards Apollodorus, his weakness is, well, his mom didn't dip him in all the way into the, the river. Yeah. So the river sticks thousands upon thousands of sources. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. A little, a little, yeah. Like, like he said, our little rule of thumb we like to use is the older the source, the more reliable the tale is. So that's what we try to go with when we do our stories. Yeah. I think that's a good point. And so from your understanding, what purpose did these myths play um, in the Greeks actual like day-to-day -day life? We'll let Mr. Straightforward go first. Well, the more we've done this podcast, you know, because we've actually doing the podcast, we've learned more from it than, you know, we, it's not like we just knew all this stuff already. We'd have to dive deeper into everything to do our episodes. And kind of the theme we've discovered is a lot of these myths, especially about the gods, seem to be like, I don't I, I uh, the word I guess I'd use is justification for a lot of the things that humans do. Like, oh, well, the gods are petty and spiteful and vengeful and stuff like that. So we kind of inherit it from them. So it's, <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, if we do this, well, the gods do it too. So it can't be that bad. That seems to be a common theme is because, you know, most religions your divine beings are, you know, pure, they're, they're moral, they're just, uh, the ancient Greek mythology isn't like that. The Olympians are very petulant and petty and spiteful, and they have very human characteristics and traits and personalities. And I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of what, what they were using it for. And it also explained things that they weren't necessarily familiar with, like, living in the woods instead of living in a city you know we've covered that before with there's a lot of forest deities that are considered primal and bestial they usually are like half animal and half person and that's just 
kind of their way of saying, well, if you live off the grid in the woods, then you're more bestial than you are if you live in a big city. It's just kind of their way of putting pieces together that they didn't understand at the time. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a moral code. So they didn't have the, the same types of ways of getting people to conform. Um, so something that you have to realize with, um, and I mentioned this a lot in our actual podcast with these myths is, um, roughly about 95% of all of the myths, someone was either Athenian, they uh, moved to Athens, they were traveling to Athens, or they were told to write for an Athenian patron. So all of these myths have a, a very biased view of the Athenian way of life. So the Athenians, they didn't like when people would go out and live out in the woods. So with the, the story of Acteon, it's more of a story of this person who is committing hubris by going out into the woods instead of staying in civilization where they could be easily conscripted to fight for them, to defend their, their city. So a lot of these myths were, first off, a way to kind of tell people what's right and what's wrong. It's their moral code. Um, and then another essence of it is, you know, as Dustin stated, it, it is an explanation. You know, we've got fear in the battlefield with Ares. We've got all these different deities that make us fall asleep. Pan makes us go crazy. Dionysus makes us really just get drunk. Drunk and wild. Drunk and wild. <laughs> so it, it's explanations on everyday life that they didn't understand, but also at, at, at its core is it gives us a, kind of a, a window into what the the ancient, at least Athenians, because like I said, not very many um, are actually not from Athens. That's why Thebes is hit so hard in a lot of their, uh, their myths because they were such big rivals. And it, it lets us kind of see their point of view of what is moralistic, what what we should strive to become and what is hubris, because it, it's it's a pretty, pretty thin line. It's not Sisyphus doesn't get punished his entire, um, I guess, afterlife because he killed anybody because there's no punishment for that. It's the fact that he decided that he was above the gods. Yeah, he was smarter than the gods. Yeah, he, and that that was the, the hubristic flaw. So with it's harder to kind of put it into words, but I guess the it's a a moral code. Yeah, the best way that I can put it. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that kind of moral code is that it does allow for more gray zones than other ancient religions. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's a lot of gray zones. <laughs> that's for sure. I think, I think they just live in the gray. Zone. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. Do you think that affected the Greek culture? I mean, I have no idea, but were they more like accepting oh, yeah. of diversity and things like that? Just um, in a in a way, yeah. It's it's a, so they weren't like they didn't have where like they they didn't like certain races or anything like that, but. The, the thing with the pulleys with Greece is it, it was very based on um, citizenship. So it was all the males, landowners. And with that citizenship, those were the only ones that could vote. Um, there were certain benefits that came in tune with it. They were more willing to let others come in if it would benefit their city. Um, there's numerous instances where they would just grant certain types of trade experts to become that. So in a way they, they didn't get as caught up in like 
races and all of that, but they still, they, I mean, they literally called everyone a barbarian because they thought that other languages sounded like, um, people were just saying bar, bar, bar. So, I mean, they're not very open. <laughs> okay. <mind>. So <laughs> no. maybe just like within their sphere. And it sounds like also only if you're a man. Then yeah, definitely. They're open-minded yeah. within that little pocket. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was very, uh, very patriarchal society. Okay. And so then, like you were saying, when the Romans um, kind of started taking over and rewriting some of these myths, how did they skew them? I mean, it, just about every which way. Uh, it just depended. It just depends on what the what the Greek character was and what the Romans wanted to do with it to benefit like their culture. Yeah. So it, it it's it, it's kind of hard to narrow down like one specific thing because there's so many. But yeah, they they just kind of wanted to mold it to fit what they did more than what the Greeks did. Yeah, the, the Romans were kind of kings of assimilation. Yeah, yeah, they were. They they would they would take things from everywhere they had like been or conquered and just kind of mold it into their own little. They would just mix it all yeah. into their own little. Uh, I guess their own mythology yeah. is the word I'm looking yeah, for. They, they constantly, they would, they would find another religion and they would refer to them as um, their, so if let's say we were doing Ra, they would refer to Ra and then his second, an epithet uh, would be um, Apollo. So they would, they would refer to it as the first name that they actually had. And then the second name would be their own as a way of showing, Hey, this, this is really just, we worship the same gods. It's just, you guys have different myths for them. But then because, I mean, they had a, a bigger uh, civilization, they were able to assimilate it further and change it. They, they weren't very closed minded. They were a lot more open minded than the Greeks in that yeah. sense. But I mean, they did change a lot of our, our views of certain people. Like I said, Athena, she's the biggest one that you'll notice the, the fact that they change her in different ways. You can see it in her mess. So did they basically just like take the same stories and did they rewrite the characters or rewrite the names? Um, they, they definitely changed the names, but for some characters, they kept everything pretty much the same. They would just tweak some stuff here and there, but there are a few like, uh, like Athena where they did make some Aries. big changes. Aries is another one. Yeah. Aries the bars, uh, Zeus to Jupiter, that's probably, you know, the biggest one. Hades to Pluto. All the names got changed. Their basic story stayed the same, like what they do, like what are they the god of, stayed pretty much the same. But just their personality, I guess, is what they tweak the most, yeah. is their personalities. like Personalities and names, but their, their basic background of what they were, like, in charge of kind of stayed the same for the most part. Yeah, and for instance, like, Ares versus Mars, um, the Greeks didn't really like Ares. No. Them. In fact, they actually hated the, the way that it would change a human. Um, and that's at the key element of all of his myths is he's the blood rage. But, yeah, for a god of war, he's like bloodlust. Yeah. He's not honor and strategy and stuff like that. He is just pure viciousness and bloodlust and fury and insanity, yeah. pretty much. So he was not looked very highly upon in the Greek society. But when it came to Roman, he he took on some of Athena's trade. You know, he got more associated with 
strategy and honor and stuff like that and kind of made him more favorable. Yeah. But yeah, in, in Greece, he was not a very popular deity. Which which would make sense, though, because the, the Greeks, they relied on a type of warfare with the phalanx where it's everybody works in tune. They're all one, one mind. Mm-hmm. So you can't have these types of soldiers that are going to be heroic where they go and they, they charge off because you're reliant on the person to your left protecting you because of that shield. So they have to march in order. Whereas the, the Roman legionaries, they actually were able to, they're a little bit more unique because yes, they worked together, but then they were able to, if the, the terrain didn't fit to break to off, break up and fight. So it, it's, to, it shows you just like a, in a key moment there. And just in those two different deities, the, what, what was valued more for soldiers. So heroics, um, and the Roman culture was more important. You would even see it in how some people would get elected to office for the Romans, but to the Greeks, a, a heroic person like Achilles wouldn't fit into their phalanx style because it just doesn't make sense. You can't have an ultimate soldier if you're all just holding this giant stick and waiting in line. It just doesn't work the same. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's that's so crazy how like all the characteristics of the society fit that well in with the myths. Do you think they yeah, were yeah, like it- literally... I don't know who's they, whoever's in charge, maybe asking for them to be written in a certain way, or did it just happen because those were the people who were in power and it was just kind of an accident? I'd say it's more so like the way that we depict our um, founding fathers, you know, like obviously George Washington did tell lies, you know, Um, it's just a, a good way of getting First off, getting everyone hyped, um, getting nationality and your pride in your country. But I just assume that it, what happens is you ha- you would have these bards like Homer who would make these great stories and then people would get in line with them. I mean, they know that they're a bard and that they're going to get paid if their story fits what the values of the culture is. Yep. And I mean, obviously, you're not going to be a bard where you just make completely opposite of what someone values because you just want to yeah, be a bard. Yeah, everyone's, <laughs> everyone's going to tune it out. They're exactly. Not, yeah. But I mean, for instance, like if we look at Homer, Homer actually, when he wrote the the Iliad, it was actually during the right after the, the downfall of uh, the Greek culture. It was the collapse before the, the re-enlightenment, um, right after the Bronze Age. So when Homer did it, the Greeks had nothing really going for them, but he wrote that specifically to show them, this is what we were like. This is our heroic um, aspects of our daily life. And if we can strive to be better, if we can get past these minor inconveniences of blood feuds like Agamemnon and Achilles, then we could be a culture that could rival the great Troy. So some of these myths, you can obviously see where it's coming from. He's just trying to, you know, he was right in the end because And it influences everything that we have. It even influences our daily lives of literature today. Yep. So he definitely set out to with a game plan for it, but I, I don't know that they do it as a like necessarily as a negative fashion where they're like trying to control the masses per se. But I do think it is something where just this awesome author gets the idea of, of these are the values that we should strive for. And because they do actually connect with the audiences, they do have a huge impact on that culture. Yep. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the way that films are made in a way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Huh. Do you think that our society has some kind of myth behind it? I mean, not a real myth, but a, a story, well, a narrative I, that we're all kind of in right now. Uh, well, I mean, going back to the founding fathers thing, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a, I'm sure a lot of their stories aren't completely accurate. There's some, uh, you know, there, there's used up a little bit, but yeah, I think it's kind of that same ballpark, you know, you just kind of when you're starting something like a, like a society, you got to base it on something to, for people to rally around. And I think that's, that's, you know, including us everywhere. I think everywhere kind of has something like that where you spice things up. So people will get on board and be more gung ho about patriotism and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Hey, you got to glam it up, you know? Yeah, you do. Like Betsy Ross is right. She's the one that made the flag, right? Remember yeah. That? Yeah. Um, so for instance, I, they don't believe that she ever did it, you know, but I mean, it's a heck of a story. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. I'll say, cause you know, that longer, there's really no like, you know, physical evidence yeah. around today it's just hearsay yeah. so you're just going by hearsay just like these stories and it's got to be something that people can you know be like oh yeah that's awesome i'm glad i'm a part of this i'd say that the probably the we don't have the same type because i mean we've got we've got so much stuff at, at our fingertips so it's not quite as easy but i'd say like the american dream is something that's embedded into our country that, oh yeah yeah. That whether or not it's true or not, but it's something that is fed to us from such an early age that it has a major influence on our culture. Yeah. And I think what's crazy, too, is just thinking back to like the Greek myths. I, I think if I'm not right, wrong here, a lot of them were told verbally. They weren't even written down originally. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like yep. that in comparison with now every person on the well, not everybody, but. A lot of people can now just have a podcast or have a Twitter feed or it's like we're all right. we're all the scribes all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more bards nowadays than there were back then. <laughs> a lot of people got bored during COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm wonder I mean, I don't know if you have an answer to this, but what who do you think are the most prominent like storytellers of our current culture? Ooh. Ooh, like all of America or like current generation? Well, well, if you have an answer to either. Oh, I thought I stumped her with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. Because there's there's so many that I like, it's hard to narrow it yeah, down. That's tough. I guess it's, I mean, I, I'd go with, first off, um, Neil Gaiman or Gaiman. Yeah. I, I love his uh, depiction of Norse mythology phenomenal yes um american gods is pretty awesome That's too you wrote one. that too right yeah, yeah i'm pretty sure he did yeah um, i think you're right then there's there's brandon sanderson hands down one of the greatest um fictional writers of our era right now because he he's the the person that founded the the idea of what is a type of magic system for aspiring um authors so like the fact that not only is he writing this but he's taking the time to make sure other authors can learn it i think that's pretty cool that is pretty cool yeah. Give him back. And I mean, you know, George R. R. Martin, if you're listening to this, if you could, you know, finish your book, I'd probably pick you. But <laughs> been a little bit. You've been taking a little too long on that one. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's been piddling around. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would have to throw H.P. Lovecraft in there because, you know, he came up with his own 
kind of cosmic mythos. And it, it influences everything. It like does. It, everything. it does. You see it in a lot of, especially nowadays, it's trickled down, but he's had a very lasting effect. So I'd have to throw his his hat in the ring. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his. Um, I mean, if if we're just going by storytelling, you got to throw Edgar Allan Poe in there. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I've always been a big fan of his. <laughs> I can read his stories nonstop. No one can haunt me more than Edgar Allan Poe. Right? Like, and it's not even, it doesn't even have to be something like super scary, yeah. but he can make it just haunting and yeah. just linger. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to throw him in there as well. Hitting the pendulum. Yep. Hands down, my favorite short story that I'll ever read. My palms get sweaty yeah. when I read that. <laughs> like, I can't even hold on to the book. It's yeah, just, so intense, yeah. very nerve wracking, but yeah. that's good storytelling. It puts you into the character's perspective but i'd say if we pick someone that could compete with homer because homer is the the legend he is everyone emulates him yes you see it so many of his like the way that he structured that and i mentioned this if like if you ever do get a chance to listen to us the fact that he was giving these enemies character so for instance the the way that he builds up the trojans and in the book, it's a work of art. He starts off, you see the Greek side, and then immediately he puts it on hold. He's got everybody eating out of the palm of his hand. And all of a sudden he's painting these, these people that were supposed to just despise these guys. And the first thing we see is Priam being the wonderful and understanding king. Then we see Hector. He's not depicted as, the, as this blood monster who just wants to eat your children. Instead, he's this man who has a child of his own. Yeah, he's a husband. He's, he's a father. A he's he's fighting for something. You yeah. know, there are people that rely on him to make it out of this. He makes him a citizen first and then just not necessarily the bad guy. In fact, he's not a bad guy at all. It, it makes it all the more heart wrenching when you know what's going to happen. And it, the fact that while at the same time you were getting missed like, like you get with Hercules where it was like Hercules was told to go do this. And because he's awesome, he did it. Now with this one, there's struggles. There is complete depth to characters that it's completely, it's hard to emulate even in today's era, but to be able to do that, make it rhyme. And the fact that his rhyme scheme can translate from different languages. There's no other author whose original text, the rhyme scheme and um, prose can still hit the same level from English to um, ancient Greek to all these other different languages. It, it's the most translatable and perfectly written art that you ever could. The only person I would even put close to it, not obviously he's not going to be the same. I guess I would do, and you're currently going to be mad about this because you hate him, but Tolkien. Tolkien had the biggest influence on science fiction because without Tolkien. Well, I can't argue his yeah. influence on, on yeah. that. So. Yeah, because without, without Tolkien, there was, there was no no fiction like that, no medieval fiction. In fact, the whole reason why he wrote that with his friend C.S. Lewis is because they were annoyed that that didn't exist. So I, I kind of like that story because it, it reminds me of us doing our podcast. Yeah. You know, like we we're like, man, this is kind of silly. Like, how is there no Greek mythology? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, well, hey, we'll just record a couple episodes. You know, and if we're the only one watching it, we'll uh, turn our head and defeat. And then all of a sudden we got like thousands of downloads and now we're just kind of like, confused on how it happened <laughs> right <laughs> like we, we fully expected four episodes and be gone but you know we we got more yeah yeah it was wild and it wasn't our friends surprisingly i know right Which i don't know if i should be happy or sad about that <laughs> though. I yeah we might have to question yeah. them about well, that's that. a really cool story <laughs> 
And so were you recording for a while before it, your podcast got like found or yeah. was it just all of a sudden everyone out there was probably also looking for uh, mythology? Well, it was probably what four or five episodes deep when we started getting, you know, we had like, you know, what over a thousand. Yeah. And we were like, whoa, that's pretty good. You know, we didn't expect that many. And then it just kept going up. And what what are we at now? Like 67,000. Yeah. Approaching 70,000. So that's, a, that's about 70,000 more than we thought we were going to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. We get a hundred tops. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it just kind of just gradually kept rising, you know, every, every week we were like, well, that's a lot more than we thought we were going to get. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's been pretty fun. And so since you get to dive back into all these stories, like what are you learning? What kind of life lessons? Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good question. Sneaky question. Life lessons. I like to ask people really big questions. Sorry, I should have warned you. (laughs) No, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. For me personally, I actually have been pretty excited about doing the podcast because I've gotten to see it in more of a a mature lens. Because when I was younger, I was a lot like Dustin over here where I saw it like pretty straightforward. (laughs) But like now I'm, I mean, when we prepare for the episode, we, we get pretty in depth with it. So like no stones left unturned. I mean, for instance, when we did the Homer parts, I, I read the book like through probably two or three times on its own. And then I had the audio book so I could catch, you know, just like little things that you don't catch when you're reading it. So I'd say like just I've learned more about not necessarily life, but like the lessons that they were trying to to portray through these myths. And for me, as someone who is huge into Greek mythology, huge into ancient Greek history. It's been kind of a blessing for me to get to see that extra lens and have people who want to actually listen to us tell the tale. Cause I mean, we take more of a um, Greek mythology for dummies kind of thing, you know, where like, it's all like humor and jokes. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's relatable. It's not, it's not like, you know, a lecture where it's like, you know, a stuffy auditorium where someone's just talking your ear off. It's, you know, it's, 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 I almost want to say interactive because yeah. it's like we're we're talking directly to each person and just telling it our and putting it in today's terms yeah. pretty much. But just to go back, uh, I'm not uh, a Cretan like Neil <laughs> likes to make me out to be. I do know that all stories have a moral and I see that moral in a lot of the stories. But he's talking about, you know, going down the layers and, you know, seeing stuff that's real, real deep in there. And I, I just stick to the, to the moral. Just wanted to clear that up real quick. <laughs> Are there any of their values that you really agree with? Mm. A lot, a lot of the values are, are kind of sketchy back then. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, um, from a from a military standpoint, a lot of those values I can get behind because I was a soldier myself once upon a time, and a lot of their a lot of the values they used back then are similar ones we use nowadays. You know, you fight as a unit. You know, you're close to everyone in your unit. It's like a brotherhood, and when you're actually in battle, you're always looking out 
for your your brothers in arms and so that that's probably the main one that i uh agree with because i've lived it so yeah, it, it is close to home yeah he, he also agrees with there's like a, a black market in greek mythology i don't know if you've ever noticed <laughs> but no, just about every mess share, someone please. takes a baby and uh they leave him out in the woods that's dustin there's like the shepherd that's always there he finds this baby I, i'm the shepherd that's always there he always has a seller that's dustin all right dustin is <laughs> Dustin is that person that he runs. Yeah, yeah. Almost every single Greek myth, especially about a hero, there is an infant left on a mountainside, and a shepherd comes by, finds it, raises it long enough to find like a royal person to adopt it. And yeah, so there's there's a big black market of shepherds selling babies in ancient Greek mythology. (laughs) We've uncovered a ring. There's something going on there. Yeah, it's it's in almost every story. It's yeah. kind of wild. And that's the main reason really why they do it weird. is so. That's like in the Bible too. <laughs> like, like Moses. Yeah, yeah, that does happen. Yeah, it does. But well, uh, but like the, the main reason is so like with fate, they're being told that you know this person's going to overthrow you. So they're like, well, I mean, I can't kill him because you know Zeus has all these different deities that can you know ruin my life. So then they're like, but if I leave him out in the woods, then the gods are deciding for him to die. But little do they know that there's a shepherd that checks every inch of the woods for babies that are being left so that they can sell them to royals. Yep. So joke's on them. And Dustin is that person. <laughs> I am not that person. <laughs> Wait, so is that like a, a test of fate kind of a thing? It's it's. Yeah, it's more proof of fate. Like, no matter what you do, this is going to happen. Because the prophecy always is, it's always a king, and it's always their their firstborn son is going to kill them and take the crown. Well, they don't want that to happen. So what they do is when they have their son, they leave him on the side of the mountain. They can't physically kill them themselves because that goes against Zeus's laws, and Zeus will punish them. But if they just leave them, then it's the elements. It's not them that, you know, that's their logic of thinking. And from there, they're like, oh, well, they're going to die in the woods and it's not my problem anymore. But that never happens. There's always a shepherd that finds the baby and gives it to somebody else. And then that baby grows up and ends up fulfilling the prophecy unbeknownst to themselves. They don't know that they are the offspring of this man that they end up killing 18 years down the road. It's just, it's always just proof of fate. Like no matter what, you cannot escape fate. You can, you can try and try and try, but it's going to happen. That's, that's a lot of their, uh, like Oedipus. Mm -hmm. Oedipus is probably the biggest one of you can't outrun fate. And no matter what you do, the fate is, your fate is sealed and it's going to happen. Yeah. So that's, that's usually the moral of a lot of these stories is, the gods write your fate and there's nothing you can do about it. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was wondering if they believed yeah. in, in destiny or that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Fate is a big, is a big factor for a lot of the stories. Have you guys ever heard of or read the book, the immortality key uncovering the secret mm-hmm. history of the religion with no name? Nope. No, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it's about the Eleusinian. Uh, I'm not saying this right. Eleusinian, Eleusinian mysteries. Oh yeah, yeah. and I've I've heard of the yeah. So 
Yeah, I don't know. I was just wondering. I read it recently, and it's all about how it's a theory. Um, it's I mean, it's more than a theory. It's an investigative research project. But it's the premise is basically that this brew that people were drinking uh, was psychedelic. Yeah. I think, Have you heard okay, that? I've heard this theory. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of the psychedelic yeah. brew. Yeah. It's really interesting. I recommend it. But what do you think of that? Do you think that fits with? I mean, it would make make the most sense because because like any like for instance, anytime that they go to like the underworld, they have to take the brew. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, they got to drink something. Yeah. They got to make uh, was what, what do they call it? Uh, libations, yeah. libations. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. Usually when they interact with some kind of deity, they have to take a sip of something yeah. huh. and you know pour out a little bit. Yeah. So uh, uh, what was it the 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 oracle that don't they light something? No, no, they they just uh, they ate something, but they were they think that they were just over gases and stuff. But yeah, well, I I, I thought that they had to the the like they burned something, and it could have a hallucinogenic yeah. effect. Yeah, there's a whole lot that goes into that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's there's a lot of evidence of that actually <laughs> when when you when you really look at it. But I mean, I, I'd say that's probably probably the best bet on what would happen because they would whenever they went on those types of trips they they went on a trip yeah they saw some things yeah um, some real things to their minds so i guess it would make the most sense yeah yeah uh, definitely <laughs> okay interesting because yeah i mean i don't i i didn't know enough about the the myth part to be able to test that uh, the book was it was more science-based it, they actually went and like looked at documents and got test results of different artifacts and they found different chemicals on the artifacts and things like that. I guess it was in the beer and in the wine had all this other yeah, it's stuff It's like a type of mushroom, right? Yeah. Fungus. Yeah, the, a ear, ear got. They found yeah. ear got yep. in the... Yeah. I don't know, mugs, goblets, pieces of mugs and goblets. <laughs> like residue yeah, of it? Like, yeah. Like, that definitely makes sense. Okay. Especially for some of the stuff that they come up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could definitely see that. Interesting. So, do, I mean, do you think that was like a ritual that was pretty normative in their culture? Or would that have just been for like the elites? It was for just the women. Really? Mm-hmm. That's, that's why it's one of the mysteries. Oh, I totally missed that part of the story. Yeah, yeah, because it's for Demeter. Yep. And Demeter's a woman. Okay, yeah, Demeter <laughs> is the goddess. She, All these names. She's virtually the. Uh, Demeter is the sister of Zeus, and she's also the goddess of fertility, harvest, seasons, you know, stuff like that. So, usually, when you know the the women would do that kind of ritual because of all those things she encompassed. That was considered, you know, the woman's domain back then. So, okay. So like the, the yeah. women possibly could have been going on these crazy trips and then coming back with insights, but then the, the men would record the stories. Is that true? No, no. Yeah. They, they, it was a complete mystery. They weren't allowed to know anything about it. Yep. Oh yeah. It's actually totally. Yeah. Okay, well, that would explain why <laughs> why there's so much controversy over it. So none of that was allowed to be recorded. Yeah, like, for instance, like Alcibiades um, from ancient Greece um, 
he was one of the the great um, admirals for them before they went on their like during their Peloponnesian uh, yeah Peloponnesian war uh, with Sparta. He was going to go to war with Syracuse, um, which is in Italy. And before he could go, he got accused um, on his trip there that he was um, pretending to uh, do a reenactment of the ritual. And to them, that was such a shock that they were going to put him to trial for his life. Um, and he kind of he's like, you know what, I'm not going to let them do that. And he fled to Sparta instead. But it, it was such a big deal to them that they wouldn't allow it. There was another author, like a poet, I can't remember his name. He made a, a play which reenacted it. And Athens was so furious that they gave him a giant fine for it. So definitely not a big, not less, not something that they wanted out. Yeah. They're, they're sworn to secrecy on it. Yeah. Very suspicious. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's like they have so much weird stuff that they talk about. It normally so because yeah, I, I bet they probably just don't want people to know that they're just getting high yeah yeah so like we eat this mushroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that very well could be the case hmm. and i'm i would like to invite you guys to share um a snippet of your favorite myth hmm. and that's supposed to be tough ones Say, I, I've got a couple I got to throw in there. I do like, I do like Hades. I've grown to like Hades. Poseidon was always, uh, as a, as a younger, as a younger guy, I just thought being the God of the sea would be like really, really awesome. But the more you delve into him, he's, he's, he's a pretty big scumbag. He's, he's like his brother Zeus. Uh, Hades actually seems to be the most level-headed and a reasonable deity out of all of them in you know in all the all the greek deities for being god of the underworld he's actually just kind of like oh i just kind of do my job i'm not really vengeful i'm not trying to make anyone's life miserable just if you come here you know i'm just i'll take care of you then but other than that just keep me out of it. Now, when it comes to heroes, my personal favorite would probably be Theseus. I know, I know everyone likes Heracles because, you know, he's son of Zeus. He's super strong, all this. But Theseus is probably my personal favorite. What about you? Well, I think she wants you to tell part of his myth. Oh, part of you. Oh, you want me to tell part of the myth? Yeah, if you want to. I mean, it, you, it doesn't have to be. Oh. Okay, well, uh, Theseus... Uh, for those that don't know, he's the hero that actually slayed the Minotaur in the labyrinth on Crete. Now, Theseus, uh, he, he's, he's got some trials before he gets to that point of facing the Minotaur. He, he has to, you know, obviously he has, he's got to walk there, <laughs> but he comes across a couple giants and he has to wrestle them. And there's also a, uh, is there a, there's a, there's a pig, right? Or no, she's in, in some myths, she's depicted as like a man eating boar In other myths. She's just like a hideous robber woman. Yeah. And yeah, so he, he's got some obstacles and boss fights on his way to the minute, the Minotaur, but I've always kind of liked him because he's, he's more slick about what he does. Heracles is brute force. He's just, I'm stronger than you. 
I'm just going to do what I want. Theseus actually has to have some tact and some, you know, some know-how. So I've always been a fan of that. And he takes the bull by the horns. He does take the bull by the horns. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the episode, isn't it? <laughs> I guess mine would probably be Bellerophon, but I'm not going to give anybody any information on them. They have to look them up on their own. Yeah, no spoilers yeah, on no Bellerophon. Spoilers. The great Bellerophon. Just in case you know any of our fans end up listening to this, I can't give out the full myth because then they'll never actually listen to our podcast. I think that's the whole reason why they're hanging tight. Because you know? you're, yeah, you're stringing them along? Um, my favorite, I guess, would have to be the the beef between um, Athena and Arachne, you know, the, the Roman version of it. Cause it's funnier, but yeah, you know, Arachne is, she boasts that she's better at weaving, which a little known fact, Athena was a weaver, which is kind of weird, but you know, whatever. Cause I she guess. was the goddess of war and strategy yeah. and honor, but she was also a yeah. weave. She, she weaved. Yeah. Some, some guy was just sitting there like, what else could she be in charge of? And like weaving. Yes, weaving. <laughs> that is true. <clears throat> she weaves the soldiers together, I guess. I don't know. Uh, weave but, strategy. <laughs> but like for her, the, the biggest, the, the coolest part to me was when Arachne, instead of like, you know, depicting the gods as doing like funny or cool stuff and her tapestry that she weaved, it was all the times like Zeus was being a complete D-bag, you know, cheating on Hera. Yeah, being very, uh, being very promiscuous. Yeah, and the audacity of it, the hubris of it. I thought that was kind of cool. And then, you know, Athena was like, Oh, you like uh, weaving stuff. Well, now you're a spider. So good luck with that. Now you'll weave for the rest of your life. Yeah. Grow up. (laughs) So she got turned into a spider. Yeah. Yeah. uh, That's where we get the term. uh, Yeah. You know, arachnids. Her name was arachne and she was turned into a spider. Wow. Yep. Since she was she was so good at weaving and she weaved a better tapestry than Athena, she got turned into a spider so she could weave for all eternity. And that's yeah, that's where we get the term for arachnids. That's so weird how you know, even our so much of our language is influenced by this. Yep. Yep. Like uh well, narcissist and echo, mm-hmm. we yeah. both use those words today. Uh, Echo was a forest nymph who loved to talk. And one time Zeus was being scandalous and hooking up with one of Echo's friends. And she intercepted Zeus's wife, Hera, as so they wouldn't be caught. And Hera caught on to the scheme and forced her. Uh, she took away her ability to talk, except for she could only repeat the last words someone said in a sentence. Which is where we get the term echo, because she, you know, if someone came up to her and was like, "Hi, how are you doing?" She'd be like, "Oh, hi, hi, how are you doing?" That's all she could say. She could just repeat what someone else said to her. And then narcissist was a beautiful young man who encountered echo in the forest after she lost her ability to talk, and she wanted to talk to him so bad because of how gorgeous he was. But all she could do was repeat whatever he said to her, so he got <laughs> irritated and scolded her and casted her away and she went into a pond and just withered away out of sadness so his punishment was it aphrodite Mm -hmm. aphrodite cursed him to fall in love with his own reflection so he would sit at that pond that same pond where echo withered away in and stare at his own reflection in the water and and he did it so long he eventually turned into the uh the narcissist flower 
And that's where we get the term for that. And also narcissist means someone who's very self-centered, you know, very into themselves. And that is also where we get that term. So yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the terminology we use today come from Greek mythology and it's pretty neat that it's lasted that long. Are there any like misnomers or common misconceptions that you want to clear up for anyone listening? Oedipus, the Oedipus complex, that one. Yeah. Yeah. So like Freud said that we all want to, you know, have relations with our mother and named it after Oedipus. But and kill our father. <laughs> his, his theory is that every male wants to kill their father and have intercourse with their mother. Yeah. And take it from there. Which, yeah, I mean, makes sense because he was just snorting cocaine all the time. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, he, but, he loved drugs. But it doesn't make sense because the whole theme of Oedipus is he, he's trying to escape the fate of killing his father. But, excuse me, but since he was actually left in the forest and found by a shepherd in the black market and sold to another king the father that he was worried about killing wasn't actually his father. So he ran away because he was afraid to follow fate and he goes to Thebes and along the way he ends up encountering his biological, his biological father. father that he doesn't know. And he kills him. Um, got like the first instance of road rage. They got mad at each other. He killed him. And then he gets there and he marries the King's um, wife um, who is his mother. And they have intercourse for many years. And when he finds out, he's not okay with it. No. He actually blinds himself and like pokes his entire eyeballs out. So it's not like he well, was. Well, his, his mom hangs herself. Yeah. 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 She definitely. When did. she finds out that it's her son. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a. They're not like, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is what's yeah. supposed to happen. They're not okay with it. Yeah, Oedipus would not be cool with it being named after him. He'd be like, it's named after what now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't choose any of this. This yeah. was, I did not desire any of this to happen. It just befell me because of fate. Yeah. But Cause, cause yeah. The shepherds. Yeah. The shepherds. shepherds. The shepherds are schemers, there, man. Yeah. They set everything up. If they hadn't been there, they never <laughs> would have been found. You know, it's, it's a little sketchy there. It's all the shepherds. But, yeah. That, that's the biggest one. The biggest misnomer that I can think of. I don't know if you have any. Well, Pegasus. But yeah. Pegasus was not flown with Perseus. That one really upsets me because Pegasus was born because yeah, of Perseus. Yeah. Perseus's whole mission was to go and behead Medusa. And out of the head of Medusa sprouts Pegasus. So how could he have ridden Pegasus to go kill Medusa if, if Pegasus born? was born from Medusa's death? It just, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And it, it upsets me. Yeah. Bellerophon. <laughs> Bellerophon needs his Pegasus. He does. <laughs> Hopefully he ends up being trending. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I think those are good ones. I didn't even realize that that's why the oedipus complex was named after oedipus but yeah, yeah. now that makes sense and he probably would yep. not be happy about that i agree no he wouldn't no <laughs> not at all he was not a happy guy <laughs> in general just a lot of bad things befell him poor oedipus well thank you guys so much for taking the time to come on this podcast and share so many yeah, different no interesting stories um, I have one more. It's not a question. It's uh, a challenge for you guys. Um, actually, you guys okay. are in charge of giving the listeners a challenge. This is a yeah. task. 
it's weekly, weekly challenge. And it can be literally anything you want them to do. Just mm. request it. I'd say it's got to be something Greek based. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. I guess it would be to, I don't know. That's a tough one because it's one task. So it's kind of hard to narrow it down. You got to do Homer. Homer? Be. Yeah. If, if they haven't read Homer's Iliad, they need to read it. Yes. Read you it. could read it in a week. I promise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can read it in a week. You start it, you won't put it down. But like, like we talked about earlier, Homer is pretty much the – he wrote the recipe of modern storytelling. Almost all, all books and stories that have happened since Homer – were copied from Homer's style. Like he set the blueprint of how it's done. So if you just want to pretty much go for, go for the basics, you know, what originated it all, yeah. you should read the Iliad. <laughs> or if you want to do the Odyssey too. That one's yeah. Good. Odyssey is fine too. Cause they're, you know, written by the same entity Homer. So I mean, Odyssey is the first time that anyone's ever utilized. Um, we take it for granted now, but the first time anyone's ever utilized two different timelines going on at once. So that's the very true. beginning that's of true. the story is we get Telemachus, um, Odysseus's son, and the state of his kingdom. And then immediately we flash over to Odysseus and his journey home. And <clears throat> we find out pretty quickly that we're watching Odysseus in the past. So everything is getting kind of set to a big conflict that's going to show up. And he does that perfectly by utilizing the, what we, like I said, what we take for granted. So like people who watch the the first season of the Witcher and they find out that, you know, it, it was you know, two different timelines that is originated from the master Homer. So yep. Give him a shot. Tell yep. You yep. won't regret it. Yep. Read the Iliad or the Odyssey by Homer and just see where storytelling began pretty yes. much. <laughs> Learn the Greeks. Yep. I think that's an awesome challenge. Well, thank you. Would you say it's the best one yet? <laughs> Just, I mean, you don't have to, but you can blink twice. <laughs> Dang it, she didn't blink twice. No. <laughs> well, well, we'll say it's top five. That was interesting timing. I just got unplugged here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, there, there's no best challenge. I'll give this one an award, though. It is, let's see, it is definitely, it might, overall, this is the most unique episode. So I'll give you that for sure. Unique oh. isn't good. Good, good yeah you, this is the archives you, for aliens and, you know it could be right perfect fair enough unique is good here yeah, so yes that, good yeah yeah greek mythology is certainly unique so we it falls into that category for sure oh, i do have to mention something okay so our sound editor, he really wanted me to say this for you because, you know, Archives for Aliens, he is a firm believer that the Greek mythology was actually aliens. So he wanted to make sure I plugged that in there. I don't agree with him, but he believes that either they were aliens or fallen angels. So Ooh. there you go. Teach That's their own. Okay. Now, now if he listens to the episode, he won't be mad at me. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand any of his logic, so I can't really give the argument for you. I'm sorry, but that's okay. That was that's it. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and my oh no. Okay, we're back on. Um the archives for aliens, the whole setup here is kind of I have this idea about aliens where I'm I'm interested in like Carl Jung and so that kind of thing. And it to me, the alien is like this, you know, entity in our minds that we need to integrate into ourselves, like the weirdness in all of us. That's why I'm into like aliens. Joseph Campbell. What? Like Joseph Campbell. Oh yeah, yeah. And like the hero of a thousand faces. Yeah. 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 I like that. It's a good book. Yeah, and uh, have you? Do you know the archetypes, like Young's archetypes? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of the way that I'm using alien as being a form of an archetype. Got it. I feel like he well, missed he's that be one. Disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I still plugged it for him, so that's all that matters. Yep. Yep. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys are more than welcome to please share. A little bit about your podcast and where everyone can find you on the internet if they have questions or want to get in touch. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I sent the link, but you want to give a little? Um, uh, uh, what, what all platform? I don't even I'll remember. S- I can send like them there. Right now? Or? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. I'll okay. send them there. All right. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for thank being you. here. I'm going to stop. Well, thank you the, for having uh, us. Yeah. Recording here. Yeah, awesome. this was really fun. I definitely I learned a lot. Now I need to like look up everyone's name. I I wrote down a lot of names. I was taking notes. <laughs> oh yeah, there, there's okay. there, it's a lot to take in. Got to chip away at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think I have some new basis for understanding it now. So I hope all the listeners do as well. And if you've never dipped even a toe in, then do that this week. And I'll talk to everyone next week for more Archives for Aliens. All right. And if you want to hear more from Dustin and Neil, I highly recommend that you go check out their podcast, Greek Gods and Human Myth Takes. You can find their show on iTunes, Spotify, most other places where podcasts are hosted. They also have a website greekmythtakes.podbean.com and they have a Facebook page facebook.com slash mythtakes and I can assure you that you will learn a lot from these two they really know what they're talking about and I don't know how long they've been studying this no, 